Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. So open up your Bibles to Mark 1, verses 9-13. through I want to read the scripture there. 9-1-9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit impelled him to go into the wilderness And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast, and the angels were ministering to him. I can't imagine what was fully taking place in the wilderness. But when you have the devil there tempting you, taunting you, 40 days, and the wild beast coming at you, I imagine it was a very challenging time being Jesus is fully God and man his God side of him was having to contend and deal with the temptations and the struggles and to do this he did it for 40 days without eating no food so in that what we're seeing is is that the setup for something that's getting ready to take place in the life and in the ministry of Jesus. Because what Lou Engel says so well, before there was ever a Jesus movement, there was a Jesus fast. 40 days of fasting and praying is what propelled him to eventually flow in such power and in such anointing that the world has never seen before. But the 40 days of fasting is what enabled there to be unprecedented breakthrough. And in this time and season that we're looking at fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, I believe that we're standing on the brink of of a massive movement where we're going to see many come into the kingdom. What a lot of people don't know that 70 years ago, a worldwide fast took place that preceded the launching of some of the greatest leaders and evangelists that the world has ever seen. Before Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, Catherine Kuhlman, Bill Bright, and Billy Graham entered into their ministries. Guess what happened on the eve before these great leaders? A 40-day fast. The body of Christ entered into a 40-day fast, and it gave, it, it birthed and released some of the greatest men and women that this world has ever seen. That they ushered in evangelism all over the world. So what we're beginning to see that that the blueprint of Jesus, who is the pattern son of our father, 
He first went into, the, it says the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness. He led him in because in that, the, in the temptations, as he was able to conquer and overcome the enemy, what happens in a fast is that you'll have an internal breakthrough before you have external authority on the outside. A, a fast gives you a breakthrough and authority over the areas of sin and, and, and temptations, all the areas that you're struggling with, it's given you authority over sickness. It's given you authority over the devil. It's given you authority in the inner realm of your own personal life that you might have external authority and power to step out in the ministry of Jesus. So there are really moments in history that are really, they're, they're hinge moments where things can swing towards the dark side or they can swing towards the light side. And I believe we're in a hinge moment where things can go either way. And I think it's those that are willing to stand in the gap and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. But take the time to get the internal victories, the internal breakthroughs, the internal um, uh, anointing that you would receive from the Holy Spirit that you might begin to step out in the great works that the Lord has for you. So I believe we're in this moment in history where a, real, a whole generation of people is at stake. We're really looking at a situation where there is a, 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 a generation of people that are so lost right now, that are so needing Jesus, and there needs to be something that arrives that gives a breakthrough and where they come into the fullness and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 4, verse 13 says this, When the devil had finished every temptation, it says he left Jesus until an opportune time. Verse 14 says this, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. See, he was led by the Spirit of the Lord into the wilderness to gain victory. To gain victory in his own personal life. And when he came out of that wilderness experience, it says that he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in that, in this season of fasting and praying for 40 days, we're going to have the internal victories that we're needing. We're receiving the anointing and the power that we might then enter in to the ministry that Jesus has called us to. As Luingo said, before there was a Jesus movement or a Jesus ministry, there was a Jesus fast. Do you see that? Matthew 17, verse 14 says this. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and he's very ill. For he often falls into the fire 
and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. Well, that's a real statement to say, huh? I mean, it just comes right at you. Okay, woo. All right. How long shall I be with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Okay, Jesus, why can we not drive out the demon? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, verse 21, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There is something that takes place of a power that is released when somebody will enter into a time of fasting and praying, when the combination of prayer meets fasting, it's a nuclear bomb. And power is released in and through your life that difficult situations have to bow to the name of Jesus. Difficult encounters that you might have with individuals, maybe someone who's demon-possessed, the spirit that is in them has got to go because there's power that is resident within you. Prayer and fasting creates a synergy of, of a release of power that is unprecedented. And it's in that combination as we are praying and as we are fasting that, that the enemy cannot stand in the presence of the anointing that is being released through that individual when they're confronted with somebody that's been willing to take the time. So it says, there's nothing that we can't handle. He says, from an example, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from there, from here to there, and it will move. So we're, we're painting the picture that anything that we come up against, as big as a mountain, you know, us speaking to, to one of these mountains around here and saying, okay, be uprooted, now go go to the sea. Go out near Wrightsville Beach, just go in the ocean. Man, that's, a, that's a tall task at hand. But he's trying to just lay a principle out that it has to move. Things have to change. Things are going to happen when you fast and when you pray. 2 Timothy 4, 5. I want you to turn, turn with me there. But you be sober in all things. Now this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He said, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. And he said, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. You know what's unique about this? About this verse? 
is that Timothy's primary area of giftedness was not evangelism. It was not evangelism. He was the laying on of hands. He received an apostolic ministry. He was planting churches. He was raising up leaders. He was advancing the kingdom. But it wasn't evangelism. But Paul is making the point, Paul, do the work of an evangelist. I think an element of Paul's concern was that that is focus and, and the importance of seeing souls won into the kingdom would become less important when he was giving himself to all the primary responsibilities of being an apostle, an apostle, planting churches, doing this, all the response. Can you, you guys know that there was a lot of work to be done to see the church grow in the early days. The explosion of the church movement. Churches were being planted everywhere. Paul saying, okay, those things are important. But there's one thing I do not want you to lose focus of. And that is do the work of an evangelist. I don't think Timothy woke up every day with a burning passion in his heart to see souls won into the kingdom. I don't think it was something that that compelled him. I got to see souls won into the kingdom. There was other gifting that that Timothy had that was not evangelism when Dan evangelist Dan Webb wakes up in the morning he's got one thing on his mind coffee first yeah but he lives eats and breathes seeing people get saved he has a gifting not all of us have a gifting like Dan. He has a gifting in evangelism. You know, I was always amazed at Billy Graham. I honor that man. I used to work out there some at the Billy Graham Training Center and seeing the souls, the, the millions that were won. And I, I, I used to listen to his messages, you know, and I thought, well, they were good. But it wasn't like Shazam. I mean, it wasn't like, I was like, I mean, it. they were okay. And he would just give a simple altar call. Thousands would come to the altar and get saved. Thousands. And I'm thinking, what, what was it? It was a gift. He'd been given a gift of evangelism. He could just say, Jesus, now come to the altar. Thousands would come up. Really? That was the truth. There was a gift. But there's a principle here, which I believe is true for many of us. And that is this. The scripture says in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, that... Um, that gifts have been given to the body of Christ, okay? There's the gifts of faith. There's gifts of giving. There's gifts of showing ministry. 
There's gifts of helps. I'm just summarizing a few of the gifts. These are gifts. So not everybody has the gift of faith. But guess what? We're called to have faith, are we not? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Are also we called to give? We are called to give. But we might not have the gift of giving. Now, are some of us, do they have a gift in helps, in service? Oh, my goodness. There's some I look at and I'm like, you're amazing. But does that, you know, say, well, I don't have a gift of helps. I don't need to do any of this, working with the tables. I need to give myself to more important things. No. Am I supposed to help too? I'm supposed to help. The principle is that we don't all have maybe a gift of evangelism. But was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ important to him? If, if Jesus had an opportunity to just stand right here and share something, I wonder if he would be saying something like, you know, I died on the cross and I shed my blood that all might be saved. Is that good news to you? Well, it's good news to me because I died for those I loved. Do you think possibly he might say, go and make disciples in my name? Go and share the good news with those that are lost? If it was important to Jesus, should it be important to us? Okay, I want to circle back around. If some of you could be honest, how many of you don't wake up in the morning with a burning passion to share Jesus with the lost around you? But we still persevere and endure. Amen, Joe James. The reality is this. I believe that a lot of us don't share the good news of Jesus with those around us is because we don't feel like it. It's an inconvenience. It's not a part of our plan. It's not something that's compelling me to do it. You know, the scripture says when you fast, it doesn't say when you feel like fasting. It's real clear. When you fast. So, okay. I had somebody one time, he gave me this um, little coin and it had on it feel it he said you you put this coin in your pocket so when you don't feel like fasting just put your hand in your pocket and rub that little coin and you might feel like it you know and I thought okay you know I mean that's true I mean I don't all I don't I don't I'm not really feeling like fasting for 40 days honestly but I'm looking at the reward and I'm believing that sometimes a price has got to be paid to see people receive Jesus. 
I'm willing to pay the price. Not because I feel like it, but because I'm wanting to seize the moment. I'm wanting to see people come into the kingdom. There's The good news is that we were once dead in all of our sin, and we've been made alive by Jesus Christ. We got a really good message to give. It's a life-giving message. You want to be saved from hell? Receive Jesus. And so in that, we have an opportunity to get past how we're feeling right now, even though we might not have the gifting of evangelism. Just like Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. You know, doing it, to be an evangelist, to share the good news, there's work involved. There's effort involved. It just doesn't like, you know, come to you in this wonderful moment and you're feeling it and all of a sudden it's like Shazam. You know, you're you you really got to effort. You got to put effort into it to share the good news of Jesus. It doesn't you can't get around it. So in that It's important to Jesus, so should it be a top priority for us to some way, somehow, share that Jesus Christ saves you? Simple. You're dying. You need to be saved. Now, in getting ready to do a work, Some of you are not getting up. You're not going to get up tomorrow morning. You're going to think, oh, my goodness, I get to work. You're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Give me five cups of coffee. You know, it's, it's like you've got to get yourself worked up and you go into the work. It might be dull. It might be routine. But you're having to do it because of a necessity. you got to provide for yourself. you got to pay your bills. You've got to do all those things that you just really don't want to do. But there's work involved. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, not a lot of people are getting up really jazzed about working. But you got to do it, right? Because you got to be responsible. Because you want to take care of your family. You want to provide for the needs. You know, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul had two jobs, don't you? He preached the gospel and he made tents, right? Well, I got a part-time gig making tents, all right? I'm not going to be ashamed about it. I'm going to tell you right up front. I'm working on the side because I'm providing for my family, all right? And in that, and I don't mind. I mean, the Apostle Paul figured out how to do it. I'm going to figure out how to do it. It's not easy, but there's work involved. And I want to share with you a little bit about my work that I do. I don't talk about this a lot, but I'm going to share with you what I do. I help people what, with what's called mortgage protection. Okay? It is. It is what it is. Mortgage protection. So for me to get 10 or 12 appointments... A week, every other week, okay? 10 or 12 appointments every other week. 
Guess how many phone calls I make a week? 250 dials to get 10 or 12 appointments. 250. Those are the odds. Those are the percentages. It is clockwork. You get you do 250 dials, you'll get at least 10 or 12 appointments. Does that mean I've had a lot of rejection? Come on. You wouldn't believe some of the things I hear on the phone. Blankety, blank, blank, slam. They slammed the phone off. That's another telemarketer. Well, I'm only responding to a form that they mailed in, that they filled out, that they put their birthday, they put their address, they put the, the contact information. I'm just calling them because they sent in the form. And they still yell at me. I'm like, come on. Be nice to me. So I'm having to really work, and I'm working hard. And guess what I do then? I drive five and a half hours to Myrtle Beach one way to go meet with 10 or 12 people. And out of those 10 or 12, I'll have about three of them, four of them that will porch me. They don't show up. They said, he's coming to the house. Let's get out of here. And out of those appointments, I might write, you know, four or five applications. Praise the Lord. I'm fine with it. I'm not upset about it. So we're talking, you know, 11 hours round trip. That doesn't include the 15 hours that I worked on Monday and the 15 hours I worked on Tuesday, leaving at 6 a.m. in the morning. I don't get home till 10, 11 o'clock that night. That's work. Am I complaining? No. Do I like it? Well, it's not my fave, but I'm doing it, okay? There's a lot of rejection. I'm saying this because of one reason. When you share the good news of Jesus, it's work. But it's a good work. It's a good work because you're about the business of Jesus. And what's important to him should be important to me. And I just realized this this week. I thought to myself, you know what? If I'm making 250 dials for 10 or 12 appointments and I'm getting all these rejections, can't I share the gospel with at least 10 people? I mean... I'm setting a goal of making all these phone calls to get these appointments. Can't I at least say I'm going to make a goal of at least reaching out to 10 people? And you know what? The odds are this. Statistically, you reach out to 10 people about Jesus. Guess how many people are going to turn you down? Seven. Three people might respond favorably. Those are the odds. So you got to realize, are you going to have a little bit of thick skin? Are you going to kind of get over the fact that you're going to get some turndowns? Some people are going to think you got four eyes when you share with them. Guess what? Jesus is here to save you. And they're like, what? Like a cow looking at a new gate. You know, it's like you got to realize that there's an L. I'm just being really real with you. Not everybody is really happy about the good news. It's sad. So. 
But are we going to be about something that is important to Jesus? And there's effort, there's work, there's intentionality. I got to figure out, I got to work a plan. I want to pray in and I want to see. So I'm going to give you guys what I call the 40-day challenge. Y'all like a challenge? Come on. I, I Listen, I, this is the challenge. I want to challenge each of you in this room to share the good news of Jesus with at least 10 people in the next 40 days. That means on an average, you're looking at two people a week, maybe. Two people. Come on. How many people do you come up against in a week? You can share Jesus. It can be real simple. It, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be, you know, the four spiritual laws. It might be, or it might not be. Just share Jesus. Get out there and just start talking. You know what? When I got on the phones, when I started dialing people, that was horrible. I didn't get a, I didn't set up any appointments. And then when I got in the home, I didn't know what to say. I sat there and think, well, this is really going over well, you know. You know, and, and I had to really work through my awkwardness and 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 do but you know, there comes a point when we gotta get over ourselves and realize, you know, success breeds success. When you start getting, when you see one person receive Jesus, it's like, wow, I won't be able to do this again. And you share it again with somebody else. Paul shared with Timothy, do the work of an evangelist because it was not his primary gifting. Do you understand? It's like he's saying, keep it focused. Keep your eye on the prize. I want you to remember, yeah, there's a lot of neat things you can be doing and planning the churches throughout the whole region. But give yourself to the work of an evangelist. So 10 people. And I want to begin to hear reports of people just, just going out and sharing the good news of Jesus with those around you. And I want to begin to hear the reports. Let's just begin to, I mean, you know what? You know what I really appreciate about Dan? I said, Dan, I, I can ask him right now, how many people were saved last year? And I bet he knows how many people were saved already this year. I'm putting you on the spot. How many people were saved last year? Three twenty-six, and he probably knows he's he's probably tracking about the same number of people this year. And in that, because he knows that he's doing the work, and if he does the work, there's a payoff. He knows if he's out there declaring the good news, eventually he's going to see results. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Amen. Good word. Yes.
Amen. Thank you. Yeah, we had a good time. Come on, didn't get any better. Listen, she was she was taking, she took like a 30-minute nap, Joe Jane, during the 24 hours. That's all she took. Just laid there and she said, All right, I'm ready to go now. She got up. So so let's just realize that I, I want to challenge you. And if there's one verse that you can remember during this challenge, I want you to remember Romans 10, verse 9. If you can remember one verse, remember this verse. If you confess, if you're sharing with somebody, say, listen, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. It's real simple. If you'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's the Savior and he's your Lord. He's the one who forgives you of your sin. And you're going to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You're going to get saved. See, it is the word of God. When you declare the word of God. It, remember, it's all powerful. The word of God is sharper than any two edged sword. And when you declare God's word to somebody. It, it goes in and it, it just it's all powerful to begin to transform and change someone's heart. But I, I want you to know this, that when you have the mindset that there's work involved in being an evangelist and that there's effort involved, you know, I think that there's the mindset that I'm going to get this feeling I'm going to get this anointing. I'm going to just be so in love with people that are lost. I think we, we're waiting for those kinds of things to happen before we step out. And guess what? I don't really think it's going to happen for a lot of people. I'm not saying you can't get a passionate love for the lost like Evangelist Dan. But I, what we're doing, though, is that we're, we're having a mindset that this is important to Jesus. And if it's important to him, it should be important to me. And in that, when you set your mind upon the things above and begin to think about what Jesus wants you to do, it changes your, your emotional makeup. Your emotions will align with what is important. And so in that, it actually changes the chemistry in your emotions and, and how you feel about it when you realize, okay, this is important to him. So I ought to be about this. So in that, I believe that there will be a real transformation. And I think we're going to get some traction as we begin to have people stepping out and sharing. Guess what? Jesus died for you. He died for your sin. And in that, I'm believing the people. You know what? I have a script that I'm supposed to use, you know, when I'm dialing and a script when I get in the homes. And you know what? I, a lot of times there's moments when the script's got to go out the door. And when you're face to face, it's real. And you're able just to share with them, you know what? My life has been changed because of Jesus. And I want to share with you what he's done for me.
Your testimony is something that no one can take away. Your testimony is what is is what Jesus has done for you. And the best way to share the good news of Jesus is just share what Jesus has done for you with somebody else. It's real simple. What does he do? What has he done for you? And in that, I'm believing we're going to see, just think, if everyone here shared it with 10 people and 10 people out of those 10, three people responded favorably and got saved, Guess what happens in our church? A lot of these empty seats are starting to, get, starting to get filled up. They're getting filled up because people, number one, you're out there sharing the good news, but also maybe you're inviting somebody. And, and if you can't get out and do the work of an evangelist because of limitations physically or because of your age, the reality is that you can, though, invest in prayer that the Lord would raise up laborers, leaders, to go out and share the good news with people. So I challenge you to a 40-day challenge. Ten, ten people. Have your checklist. Have your names. Have, have your list. And just start, okay, I got two this week. And I've got two next week. And remember, the odds are, out of ten, three might respond favorably. And that's Okay. That is all right. That doesn't mean you're not doing a good job. Amen. Let's stand. Father, I thank you for this incredible church. And Lord, I just pray right now that that, Lord, you would move upon us right now by the power of your spirit. Father, I'm asking if there's be anyone in this house today, this morning, that you know you're just not right with God. You know you need God. You know you need to be forgiven of your sin. Well, I just want to give you some good news that today is a day of salvation. If you want to get your heart right with God, I want to encourage you to get some prayer today. I want to encourage you to come on forward and to let one of the team members up here, up front, to pray for you. To pray for you to receive the best news ever, that Jesus Christ died for your sin, that you might be saved for eternity. So if I could ask some of the prayer team, come on up. If there's anyone here that you know that your heart is not right with God, today it's a day to make it right. And I want to encourage you to come on up and to receive prayer, to invite Jesus into your heart and to forgive you of all of your sin. So if that's you, I want you to come forward. And I want you to receive some prayer. So, Father, I'm asking now that you would just move upon this church. And I'm asking, Lord, if there be anyone here that has never asked Jesus to come into their heart and to be their Lord and their Savior. 
the Lord, you would move them out of their chair, out of the comfort, and to come forward and receive prayer now. So if that's you, I just want you to come forward and to receive Christ into your heart. And Lord, I just thank you right now for each and every one here. And God, I'm asking during these 40 days, a 40-day challenge of sharing the good news with 10 people each. That God, there would be such a fruitfulness and there would be an incredible anointing released as we are in a season of fasting and praying and believing for souls to be saved. Lord, I'm asking right now that you would anoint us and set us apart for this season that we're in. And God, I thank you. We're going to see the Lamb's reward. We're going to see souls come into the kingdom. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Give somebody a hug.